0: diet can actually reduce the risk of Alzheimer's by as much as 53 percent. Welcome back to Mind What Matters. Today we are talking with Dr. Annie Fenn. After practicing medicine for more than 20 years, she founded the Brain Health Kitchen, which is an evidence-based online resource about how to eat to resist cognitive decline. We are very excited to be talking to her today tell me about the brain healthy lifestyle now everybody's heard about the mind diet people have heard about the mediterranean diet what is it that you are really advocating for and how did you get into this and sort of just give us a brief summary of like how you feel passionate about this and r- what really led you down this road
1: absolutely so I mean, I think I'm a pretty good example of what happens when someone follows their passion in life. And, you know, that's hard to do sometimes. And I was, I had been practicing for over 20 years. Many of those years was solo. So I was um, fatigued and really tired in some ways of medicine, even though I loved my patients and I loved practicing. And I just really wanted to change. And I had this this suspicion that I just needed to use the other part of my brain. I wanted to be creative. I wanted something completely different, a very passionate home cook and really into food and travel and food and learning everything I can learn about food. And so when I retired, um, it's been about 10 years now, I decided to go to culinary school just for fun, just because I love cooking and food. And I didn't know I was going to end up creating a cooking school that's focused on Alzheimer's prevention, but a few years down the line, that's basically what happened. And there are a couple of things that happened in those years. Number one, the literature exploded in the science about what we eat and how it impacts our brain health. Around 2015 is when the MIND diet study came out showing that the spin-off of the Mediterranean diet can actually reduce the risk of Alzheimer's by as much as 53%. By the people that follow it, and even by 37% by the ones that follow it half the time. So the mind diet was a very powerful study, and it came on the shoulders of all these studies on the Mediterranean diet, showing that eating a certain way and lifestyle can actually reduce Alzheimer's, which in medicine 10 years ago, people would just laugh if you said something like that, it was not something I thought was to be scientifically sound. So the Mind Diet came out, a lot of other studies came out. 2015 is also when my own mother was diagnosed with the earliest stage of Alzheimer's, which is mild cognitive impairment. So I was already, I'd been to culinary school. I was already teaching cooking classes in my community through the, through the um, community college. Um, I was writing a lot as a food writer about food and health. I was coming back towards the health side of food, trying to help, trying to help people live better lifestyles basically. And I really did have one of those epiphanies that people have about you know this is what you should be doing. Right, you should, I should be using my medical background um, because I can read papers and I can explain them to people, and I think that's a really important skill to have. Um, and and fuse it with the culinary passion because the what my cooking school does is I liked, I like to hook people with the food. Like the food has to be delicious. I think that food has to be joyful. It should be shared. It should be abundant. No one should ever feel like they're on a diet when they're eating a brain-healthy diet. It should always just be good, delicious, exciting food. Mm -hmm. And so I bring people to cooking school. I show them the cooking techniques and the foods I like to use and get them really excited about how easy it is. And while they're there, we talk about all the other things they can do to reduce the risk of Alzheimer's. And I'm very evidence-based, so I like to hit on the big ones, like exercise and sleep and stress reduction.
0: How much Uh, sleep? Talk to me about sleep. How much? How much well, sleep
1: do we need? I'm not a sleep expert, but most sleep experts are saying that people need between seven and eight hours of sleep a night. I used to be one of those people that would sleep maybe four or five, six hours. Sometimes I wouldn't sleep at all if I had delivered a baby and then had to be in the office the whole next day. Um, but and I always thought, oh, I'm fine. I'm one of those people that just doesn't need a lot of sleep, right? But no, I paid for it in lots of ways. And Seven to eight hours of sleep is what the brain needs. And when it comes to Alzheimer's, we think what's happening there is if you're not getting a certain amount of deep sleep and REM sleep, they're two different phases of the sleep cycle, then your brain's not able to clean out the metabolites that build up, the toxins, if you will, that build up in the brain. And some of these toxins are things like amyloid protein. And they do get flushed out at night if you get enough sleep. Gosh.
0: That's really unnerving, especially for women. I mean, you know, when you finally do make it through this childbearing years and you come out the other side of it, then you just have worry, you know, as a mother. And then you're up with, yeah. with worry in the middle of the night. So we don't get a
1: break for sure. Um, okay. Yeah, so- I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't want anyone to worry about the fact that they went through periods of life without sleep or they're under a lot of stress. We all have certain things that we have in our lives that could be considered risk factors for Alzheimer's. You know, like extreme stress or like a a medical condition, like diabetes, um, hypertension, these are all risk factors for Alzheimer's. Everybody seems to have something, but these things are modifiable. These are things that we can actually change. And it's really important what you do at midlife, you know, in the decades between, say, 45 and 65 to impact your Alzheimer's risk later. I think building good (laughs) habits in terms of brain healthy lifestyle are important to start as early as possible teenagers, 20 somethings, that's mm-hmm. when they learn to eat well, exercise, you know, meditate a little bit, all of those things get have a good sleep cycle, Take but, care. Um, yes. you can always regroup and you can always improve on, on these factors.
0: And even just improving a little bit in some of these things. And I want to move on to exactly what you recommend in the brain healthy, like in the food, in the food side of things, because there's so many different diets out there, fads, and, you know, you have to be paleo, or you have to be plant-based, or you have to be vegetarian. And, you know, there's lots of schools of thought on all of this. And particularly, particularly even in the Alzheimer's arena, that people will believe very firmly one way that this is the way to beat it, right? Or that these are the ways of lowering your chances. But your diet in particular, from what I've read, it seems to be the most well-rounded and has the most flexibility. So talk a little bit about that.
1: It really does. I, I um. You know, I draw not just on one or two papers. I draw on the entire body of research, and I try to be really open-minded. And every time I give a cooking class, I swear I'm updating the data from, you know, the science that just came in. And so I'm not in any, real, any camp. I'm not in a whole food plant-based camp. I'm not in a vegetarian camp. I'm not in a paleo camp. I'm not in a keto camp, anything like that. Um, but the closest thing to my style of brain healthy eating would be the Mediterranean diet and that's because that's where the science supports mm-hmm. um, Mediterranean diet and lifestyle has the most data for reducing Alzheimer's disease other types of dementia and for enhanced longevity the mind diet is a spin-off of the Mediterranean diet and that also is the most solid study that we have that shows how what you eat you know can prevent all these neurodegenerative diseases, so um, you know i 'm waiting for the mind diet to come out. There is a, a mind diet trial going on right now with data to come out next year where they 're doing a placebo controlled arm of the mind diet, and so we 'll get even more data, and everyone expects that that will actually show that you know may be even stronger than the original one. but all of these diets have something in common: they are mostly plant based, which doesn't mean you have to give up you know, meat and cheese and yogurt and all the things that you might love. But all of the diets that are proven to prevent Alzheimer's have that commonality where they're moving towards plant-based. And for me, plant-based means 80 to 90% of the time, that's what I eat. And when I do eat animal products, I make sure they're super high quality, high quality chicken, high quality eggs, grass-fed beef, grass-fed butter, um, good whole fat dairy products like yogurt, because full fat dairy actually helps with the absorption of vitamins that we need, like D, E, A, and K are all fat soluble. So I do eat animal products, but you know, to a smaller extent, the vegan literature or whole food plant-based, which is um, almost the same thing, um, they are getting closer to proving that that's the way to prevent Alzheimer's, but it's not quite there yet. And the mm-hmm. vegetarian literature is, is um, you know, it's murky, honestly. There, ha- there aren't any great studies to guide us. Um, so what I like to do is just move people closer and closer to that plant-based diet. And I do that by showing them how delicious vegetables can be as entrees, um, using meat as condiments, mm-hmm. um, decreasing the portions of your meat. Americans eat an enormous amount of meat. Most mm-hmm. Americans eat meat three times a day and an inordinate amount of dairy products and sugar. So just cutting out some really simple things or just moving towards cutting back on certain things can really give people an edge when it comes to having a better brain health and a better um, future in terms of their, their longevity. One of the most important things that people need to take a look at are the oils in their foods, the oils in their kitchen. Now, olive oil is one of the 10 brain healthy food groups in the Mind Diet. And the reason for this is that olive oil is different from all the other oils out there. It's got a very um, favorable fat profile. The brain healthy diet is very low in saturated fat, like less than 10% saturated fat, but it's very high in monounsaturated fat, which olive oil mostly is. That's a good thing. Olive oil also has polyphenols and polyphenols are antioxidants. And it's thought that the special sauce of the Mediterranean diet is the fact that this oil is put on everything, which is like this conduit for absorbing all the phytonutrients and the vegetables and the fruits, the legumes, the beans, the nuts, and the seeds. Um, so olive oil is extremely important. I use olive oil for pretty much all of my cooking, except for high heat cooking. I use avocado oil or pecan oil I like as well.
0: That's, I got interject a question there. So when you say high heat cooking, like, let's say you're just about to like, you know, saute some vegetables. Can you put olive oil in the pan first? But I mean, if you're going to get it to like a medium high to saute, is that high heat? Or do you mean like, you know,
1: high, high? Like how high, high for be, olive oil? Sauteing is fine. I'll tell you exactly how I do it. Um, high heat would be your roasting vegetables at 425. Like your oven's totally cranked up. So you want to get them caramelized and brown, which I do sometimes too. But I would use different oil for that. Um, or you're frying something. Or you're putting your frying pan on super hot and you're searing a tuna steak you know to get like a really nice um you know crust on it so, so the way i saute vegetables eat, if you've been using olive oil at high for like 20 years is
0: that terrible <laughs> no
1: no no it's okay it's not that it's bad for you it's just that you're ruining the beneficial qualities of the oil ah, okay? okay like rancid olive oil is actually kind of bad can be bad for you because those beneficial fats can turn into fats that are um, inflammatory but when you're cooking it in a pan and you're just maybe not too careful about your heat, you're not really doing any harm to yourself. But okay. those polyphenols are really delicate. They're not gonna survive the meal. Okay. Okay, so that, gotcha. that's, that's a key point. So when I cook vegetables in a pan, I'll put the pan on the heat, get the pan hot first. Then I add a little bit of olive oil. And then once it starts to just barely shimmer, I add my vegetables to the pot, which immediately brings down the temperature again. And then I just keep sauteing. I don't really want to leave it unattended. Um, I want to make sure that I'm using the smallest amount of heat possible to get the result that I want. Mm. And the full point of olive oil goes up to, you know, 375, 395 sometimes. So you can cook with it and you should cook with it. You can bake with it. I bake cookies and cakes with it. um, Because the internal temperature of baked goods doesn't really get much above 200 degrees Fahrenheit
0: that's the one shift i haven't made yet i'm still guilty of using vegetable oil when i have to bring out the chocolate chip cookie to mix for the kids you know and i've tried it like different ways and it never tastes the same so you're gonna have to hook
1: me up with a good recipe i love baking with pecan oil which is super high in mono and saturated fatty acids it's also high in polyphenols it's actually so there's actually one other oil that has polyphenols but pecan oil is not that common avocado oil is also wonderful it has a neutral flavor really good um, fat profile. The things that I don't want people to use in their kitchens are the things that we know inflammatory to both blood vessels and brain cells. And these are the oils that have a lot of omega-6 fatty acids like safflower oil, sunflower oil, soybean oil, some types of canola oil, Um, any oil that's refined, usually from a nut or a seed or a vegetable, they have to apply a lot of heat to these oils to get the oil out and that high heat processing creates omega-6 fatty acids. So one of the best, one of the things I tell my students to do, first thing, go into your pantry and get rid of all these oils. Okay. What about coconut oil? Coconut oil is complicated. Um, I use it in my kitchen, but infrequently because it's very high in saturated fat. And I'm not like into counting fat grams or calories or anything like that. But if you have too much saturated fat in your diet, it doesn't make your cholesterol go up. And people with struggle with their cholesterol, especially the LDL, the bad cholesterol. And there's a direct translation between how high your LDL is and your risk of having a heart attack or stroke and your risk of having Alzheimer's. So we want to keep our LDL nice and low. And we do that with a diet that's lower in saturated fat. So, I wouldn't use coconut oil like crazy, like people say. It's not a health food. It's not a brain food. That has never been proven. That is, that is completely 100% marketing.
0: Wow. Okay, that's good to know. What about swishing and all of that? Like where you hold it in your mouth and move it around for, you know, 15 minutes every morning. I had somebody try and get me into that once. Like what do you think about? I of that? don't
1: understand it. I don't know. I mean, if you're swishing, I, I think it's probably just okay, but I don't understand why someone would want to do that.
0: I, it's disgusting. <laughs> I've tried it. I've, I've given it the college try. I've never made it past like two days. <laughs> I
1: use coconut like, oil like by I'm making a curry dish or some baked goods, it's really nice. Like a um, there's some pie crust that the, the oil is really nice. So I do use it sometimes. And then the other one people always ask me about is canola oil, which has a decent fat profile. It's got more saturated fat than olive oil, but it's also got tons of monounsaturated. Um, the problem with canola oil is it's such a refined product. And mm-hmm. so it's got a lot of omega-6s in it. And it's almost always GMO unless you find an organic product. So if you use canola oil, just find a, a good organic product. So therefore it's non-GMO um that's not refined
0: okay talk to me about way
1: low on my list talk
0: to me about percentages so we can eat like this most of the time, but we're Americans, we're busy, especially young families, most people listening, there's a lot of takeout going on, there's a lot of eating out, you know, with friends and family, not right now so much, but hopefully we'll get back there soon. But how much of the time do we need to really stay regimented on the brain healthy lifestyle for it to really have, you know, just the best effects possible for us?
1: You know, this is such a good question because my entire philosophy about this whole thing is not to put pressure on people to be perfect all the time. Because I'm not perfect all the time. I eat chocolate chip cookies. You know, I, I stay up too late watching Netflix. I mean, everyone does that, right? Um, but if you if you're trying to follow the brain healthy lifestyle 80 to 90 percent of the time, I think you're doing amazing. It's what you do most of the time, Annie. Annie, wait, back up. I it's lost it. It's like what you have for breakfast most day. Wait, Annie. I'm not what you have for breakfast once every Annie three months when you go out with a friend. Like we need to. Right? <laughs> can you hear me? It's, um hopefully we'll be going to restaurants in the future, right?
0: Yes, I can. Annie, okay, we're going to have to go back and repeat that little part because we had an unsteady internet connection for just a second. Okay. I'm just going to ask it again. It's super easy with editing to just like cut out when that happens. So if let's say you really are trying hard to adhere to the mind diet and you're really wanting to see just the absolute best benefits you can to help prevent Alzheimer's and other dementias, how much of the time do you need to follow the diet to get the optimal results?
1: I think that is such a great question because I don't want to put pressure on people to think they need to eat a perfect diet or live a healthy lifestyle because I'm not that way. You know, I stay up too late watching Netflix. I sometimes eat too many chocolate chip cookies, but I think that it's what you do most of the time. And I would shoot for eating brain healthy 80 to 90% of the time and be strategic about it. Like pick the foods that you really love. Like one of the um, brain healthy food groups is nuts and seeds. And let's say you love pistachios, we'll stock up on them. And then you'll be wanting to snack on those when, you know, snack attacks hit rather than, you know, other things that might be less healthy for you. And then when you are doing other things, like maybe you're traveling or maybe you're out to brunch with a girlfriend and you're making some choices that are not so great, you know, you're not doing that every single day, most likely. So I would give yourself a break. I think it's a process. If you try to be perfect all the time, you're just going to be frustrated.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, I've been, I've been eating the brain healthy diet faithfully, really since 2015. And I would say I'm probably pretty good 90% of the time. That's pretty good. Yeah. Now,
0: how do you feel about sugar?
1: I love sugar, but I don't eat much of it anymore. When you say you don't Um, eat much, how
0: much is not much? Because I kind of- I don't
1: count count sugar grams. I don't count carbohydrates. I don't count calories or anything. So what I do with sugar is I don't have any sugar in the things that I drink. So I used to be a big half and half and sugar in my coffee kind of girl. And I completely weaned off of that. And I drink my coffee black. Mm -hmm. I drink my tea black. Because I think that the sugary things in our drinks have definitely proven to increase our Alzheimer's risk. And if you're in a later age group, stroke as well. So sugary drinks are like mainlining sugar into your body, which makes you secrete more insulin. And it's so interesting, but, you know, the brain healthy diet is really the same diet that prevents diabetes. And Hmm. people with diabetes have an increased risk of Alzheimer's. People with borderline diabetes have an increased risk of Alzheimer's. Even if your fasting blood sugar is a little bit high, that increases your risk of Alzheimer's by twofold. So metabolic health and brain health are, are interlocked. It's a really important distinction. So one of the most important things you can do is not mainline sugar, like don't have straight up sugar at, at all if you can help it, okay? Um, so that means getting, out, getting rid of the sugary drinks, drinking mostly water, fizzy water is fine. Things like LaCroix are fine, but not like sweet teas, soda pops, coffee drinks, things like that. When it comes to sweets, I have a lot of baked goods on my website. Mm -hmm. And I develop a lot of sweet recipes like cakes and cookies and pies and tarts and things like that. Um, So when I use sugar, I always use it in the matrix of fiber. Mm -hmm. So let's say I have a cookie, I'll use really good whole grain fibers, like, um, like whole wheat fiber, or whole wheat flour, chickpea flour, I use olive oil, I'll use some nuts, so that when you are consuming sugar, cause you can't really make a good cookie without a little bit of sugar, mm-hmm. um, but it's getting absorbed so much more slowly because you're eating a fiber rich meal. Same thing with my cakes. I'll use citrus, I'll use nuts, all of these things just to make them more dense and hearty, really. Um, I also like to use different types of sugar that are not refined. I use a lot of dates, I use a lot of honey, I use maple syrup a lot. These are whole foods, I mean, they're sugar, mind you, but they're whole food sources of it, and they have other benefits. And I use coconut palm sugar because it Mm -hmm. has a lower glycemic index than white sugar. And I just use a lot less of it.
0: What do you feel about berries? Can you eat all the berries you want to?
1: Absolutely. A lot of of people say- Berries are one of the top brain healthy food groups. If you want to pick two food groups, there's 10 of them. And I've got an article about this on my website that we can refer people to, to get the full, all the details on all of them. But if you were going to do two things with your diet in terms of the food groups, I would say berries and the recommendations are two half cup servings a week. That's it. But there's some other studies too that show if you eat berries every day, your risk might be even better. And uh, women perform better on cognitive testing once we eat berries every day. So every day, if you have access to them, twice a week is great. The other one is leafy greens. Mm -hmm. So leafy greens is its own food group in the mind diet besides vegetables. And that's because there are so many phytonutrients in leafy greens that are bioactive in the brain, like folic acid and lutein and things like that. And there are studies that independently show that people that eat a salad, maybe a cup of half of raw greens a day, as opposed to those who don't, their brains age slower. So, we now have MRI data showing that people who eat leafy greens on a daily basis compared to those who don't, their brains are on average 11 years younger. Wow. Based on MRI. And they know that by looking at the brain volume over time. You know, our brains actually shrink a little bit as we get older, sadly. Yeah. Um, but you don't want them to shrink too much. You want to hold as much brain volume as you can. Right. Because brain volume is everything. Brain volume is synapses, it's brain cells, it's connections. It's all of those things that happen in the brain that protect your memories. Um, So looking at brain volume is a really powerful way to see what foods can slow down the aging of the brain and which foods can accelerate that.
0: Wow. Annie,
1: you are a wealth
0: of knowledge. Holy cow. I mean... That's a lot to take in, but you do have a fantastic resource on your website, and that we will put out for our listeners to be able to really help guide you in making good decisions. In just, you know, hey, this is easy. You can go to the grocery store, and you even do a shopping list for people, yeah, which yeah.
1: can get easier. Yeah, I can, you.
0: I can link that if you're, if you think your audience would like that. Absolutely, absolutely, I would. And just thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today, and just to share about just all the research that you've done, you're definitely going to be back. Um, I have a feeling lots of times. And I'm I would so love excited. to come back. We have lots more to talk about, Liz. We sure do. I'm so happy that we got the chance. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for having me. I
1: really appreciate it.
0: All right, we'll talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.